Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst extraordinaire Tommy Garrett. And joining us again today, PFN fantasy analyst also extraordinaire, Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, we're jumping right into what happened week 12. A lot of injuries, a lot of disappointing games, a lot of exciting games, a lot of great players, some underperforming players. We're going to try to make sense of it all and give you a 30-minute rundown of the fantasy impact and how it impacts your team, your waiver wire, any uh, trade deadlines you could meet in these last couple of days to improve your team, starting with the Bengals and the Steelers. Tommy. Is Joe Mixon finally an elite fantasy running back? Can we call him that? Absolutely. Um, it wasn't just the Bengals demolishing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like Joe Mixon has been solid this entire season. He scored over 24 points in four in five of his last six games. And next week he gets to the Los Angeles Chargers. And if you're gonna beat the Chargers, you do it on the ground because of how good their their passing defense is. Like Joe Mixon, the only thing we ever needed, like We've always wanted the receiving work out of him because we know how good he can be on the ground. Is just stay healthy and get a couple extra targets. And right now we're getting that. He's getting massive volume right now. Like I don't expect him to see the the twenty eight plus carries like he's seen over the past couple of games. But even with eighteen plus, like this guy is explosive. He's as good as it gets out there. We know the talent is there. It's just we've always wanted to put it together. And right now with how good this Bengals offense is, it's hard to deny him. Like he's going to be a top. He's probably going to be like a top six option this week. Just given however many other guys are either out on a buy or due to injury, Joe Mixon has a chance to be the RB1 in Week 13. Right on. And I do preseason rankings uh, every summer, and I took a lot of heat uh, for picking Mixon. He was the QB, uh, the uh, RB13 uh, consensus. He was my fifth-ranked running back. Uh, people could not uh, understand why. Uh, what we're seeing is why. Um, he's yeah. always, like you're saying, Tommy, the talent's always been there. It's just the health and the opportunity hasn't. This is a great Bengals team, and he's a key part of it. Cats, Steelers, should we be concerned in any way with Najee Harris? Uh, he's had some uh, poor performances, even if his fantasy production up until last week has been solid. He just hasn't looked like a great running back. He looks like a running back in a good situation. Uh, no, I, I'm not concerned at all about Najee Harris. The Steelers just got steamrolled last week. There's nothing to take away from that. That That's would putting it nicely. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's nothing that I'm going to take away uh, from that that would negatively impact my opinion on Najee. Prior to that game, Najee had scored at least 14 fantasy points in every game since week two. He's a mid to high uh, RB1 at this point, and that's what he's been. Even if he hasn't looked as explosive as maybe we wanted, the production is all we care about. The volume's not going away. I still like Najee going forward. 
One thing to keep in mind going into last uh, yesterday's game, I haven't run the numbers, but going into yesterday's game, he was on pace for f- over 400 touches, which is always a little bit of a yellow flag for me when you get that kind of volume, especially a rookie. He had the second most touches in Division One NCAA football last season. I wonder whether there's going to be some breaking down as the season goes on. Uh, we will see. And if I'm wrong, Cats, I know you'll call me out on it. Colts, Cats. Are you higher on Carson Wentz than you were before the game against Tampa Bay? I remember us discussing him on the Saturday start sit show. And I mentioned how the Bucs are a pass funnel defense and Wentz was a solid back end QB one. Well, he did a little better than that. 22 fantasy points. The problem for me is the upcoming schedule. While the Texans may appear to be a favorable matchup next week, I think they're just Jonathan Taylor fodder. In the Colts' 41-15 blowout over the Bills two weeks ago, Wentz attempted just 20 passes. That is always a fear, especially when they face a weak opponent. Then they've got the bye. Then the Patriots. I'm not so sure Wentz is startable again until Week 16 against the Cardinals. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually maybe feeling a little worse about him than I was on Saturday. Okay, good job. I tried to stump you on that question, Katz, and you fought through it. Uh, Tommy, Buccaneers, Ronald Jones earned seven-plus carries for the third time in four games. He scored again. We talked about him last week. I tried to get you to say that you believed in Ronald Jones. I couldn't get you to say it. Can I get you to say it today? Nah, probably not. Um, cause, well, here's the thing. it's Yes, he's, he got seven carries again, but he only played on 12 snaps. Like he was still out snapped by Leonard Fournette by uh, fifty four to twelve. Like granted, Leonard Fournette had a massive game, but he's always going to be a very touchdown dependent back. And if you're only getting like you know less than you know twelve snaps a game, it's hard for me to rely on that. Like we've talked about touchdowns being not a sticky thing. Like sure, when he's in the red zone, there's a chance for him to score, but there's also good of a chance that we're going to leave in Ronald Jones in there. They're going to go to Rob Gronkowski in the red zone. So. Granted, he's doing well. It's just if I'm not in a a deeper league, I just have a hard time trusting right now in this offense. Uh, Sticking with you, Tommy, the Dolphins, I think they thought the preseason ended in October uh, and they think they're 4-0 right now. Um, This is a high-flying team that's somehow still in the playoff contention, um, which seems odd. Uh, But uh, Mike Kosicki, uh, 10 fantasy points or less in five straight games. Uh, I know you have talked about him before. I've talked about him. There's lots of good reasons to love Mike Kosicki. Mm -hmm. But can we still love him as a TE1? Man, it's getting rough right now. Uh, The hard part about Rosario is like he he only got, what was it, the three targets he had last week, but he ran over 30 routes. And so it's the volume is there, but when they're looking to move the ball, Two was going straight to Jalen Waddle, his former Alabama teammate. And so he's kind of losing some of that work underneath that we saw Gazeki getting. He hasn't seen over, you know, five targets dating back to week seven. And it's, it's just kind of hard to trust him right now. Like, granted, like I said, we kind of talked about this on Friday. He's falling into that really muddy tight end eight through tight end 14 kind of range where anyone can all of a sudden blow up. Like, we know the athleticism is there. He gets the Giants next week and then a bye. So maybe he has a decent week next week. But right now, it's kind of hard to trust Mike Kazeki, which is not something I thought I was going to say coming into the season. I'd love to watch game tape. Uh, maybe one of you has. I'm not going to test you on it now just to see whether he's playing, whether they're winning in part because he's playing a different role. If he's doing more blocking, if he's just turning into more of a, a behind the scenes kind of asset to the team rather than a fantasy producer. Um, Cats, Panthers, Cam Newton, Bent, bigger story. Christian McCaffrey out for the season. Obviously, a lot of turmoil on a team that has faced perhaps as much turmoil as any team this season. 
the Panthers had high hopes going into the year. Uh, what, what, without overstating, we all know at this point about Christian McCaffrey, what does it mean to this team? Is anyone startable going forward or is this a team once again in descent? This is a worse situation for fantasy than it was when McCaffrey went down the first time or the second time. We knew it was Chuba Hubbard before, but before McCaffrey returned from the second injury, we had already seen signs that Amir Abdullah was pushing for more touches. I know that's shocking to say in the year 2021, but it's what we were seeing. So I'm not entirely sure if Hubbard is this must grab off the waiver wire. I definitely think Abdul is worth a, a shot, but we have no idea how this is going to play out. We also don't know who's playing quarterback. Cam Newton was flat out benched for PJ Walker last week because of his poor play. This was not a score situation. Newton completed seven passes and two of them were to the wrong team. I don't know what we're getting from this team uh, from the quarterback position. We don't know what the running back split will look like at this point. If you're taking a shot on Hubbard or Abdullah, you're just throwing a dart and hoping, hoping to see how it plays out. You've got the Panthers also with their bye in front of them. So there's just there's just a lot of uncertainty here, and it's a tricky situation to maneuver in fantasy. Very good. Sticking with you, Cats, the Patriots. Uh, Kendrick Bourne had more than, uh, I think, three times the fantasy points of Cam Newton, which is not something I expected to say uh, uh, in the year 2021. So what, uh, well, maybe maybe more like 2019, I wouldn't have expected to say that. But the point is, is Kendrick Bourne now officially a streamer with two big games in his last three weeks? And I will say, full disclosure, I did pick him up Sunday morning. I started him because I was desperate, and he was the best option, the highest upside option. And as of recording this, he was the WR4 for the week. So I'm pretty happy about that. But the question becomes, can you count on him getting four targets a game? I think at this point, you have to acknowledge Bourne as at least streamer worthy. At no point will you put Kendrick Bourne in your lineup and feel great about it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a good good fantasy day out of him. I'm going to get 8 to 10 points. You you won't feel great about that. But he's hit 20 fantasy points in two of his last three games. That establishes a ceiling. We know it exists, which means at least there's upside there. And it makes him a better dart throw than a lot of the guys you'll find on waivers. Very good. And uh, Tommy, how about the Titans? Dontrell Hilliard, uh, again, I you know I, I was big on uh, Dante Foreman taking over this backfield. I mm-hmm. never saw Dontrell Hilliard coming. Um, uh, seems still like something I don't understand and makes me question my understanding of the NFL. Can you make sense of it and whether he is someone you can trust? I think the thing that's surprising about this is last week when we kind of broke down this game and you asked me my thoughts on on Hilliard was I thought he was going to have a significant role in the passing game because we look back to week 11, we look back to week four when they didn't have A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. They really turned to their running backs to kind of carry the workload. Back in week four, it was uh, Jerry McNichols. And then in week 11, you saw that be uh, Dontrell Hilliard. Last week, that didn't happen, even though Dontrell Hilliard still ended up as the RB11 in fantasy football. You know, we had a 12 rush for 131 yards, 68 of those, and his his score came on one massive long play, but he only had two targets. Um, And then you look at Dante Foreman. He actually led the team in carries with uh, 19, and actually went over 100 yards with 109 uh, total yards. So it's it's a little interesting what's going on with this backfield. I think you can take a shot on someone like Hilliard, but... It's just not the way we thought it was going to pan out. The only concern I have is moving forward. If Jeremy Nichols does come back and when he does, hopefully from concussion, 
is that going to cut into uh, to make uh, to uh, Dontrell Hilliard's workflow? We'll have to find out. But I think right now is probably worth it. You know, you can probably take a stab on Dontrell Hilliard and probably lose him, use him as a, a depth piece on your team. You've heard me raving about how much I love my X chair, and it's by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I've ever used. And honestly, it's also probably the coolest looking piece of furniture that I own. Not only is X chair the world's greatest office chair, but it also doubles as a massage chair and can either cool or warm my lower back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X chair of your own. Why now? Well, because this is the only time X chair goes on sale all year. That's right. The only sales dates of the entire year are on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And this is your only chance to save on the finest office chair around. So no excuses and no more delays. It's now or never. Save up to $500 on your X chair exclusively on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Go to XChairPFN.com now. That's the letter X. X chair pfn.com this is x chair's only sale of the year so don't miss it go to x chair pfn.com and save up to $500 x chair pfn.com now Tommy I'm going to ask you a question going to the Giants now hear me yeah. out you're in a 20 team league let's say and you've got Kenny Dollock Galladay but in that league if anyone on your team scores five points or less you lose those points for that week do you keep Kenny Galladay is wow, that's a lot to unpack. Five points a week at this point. I mean, he's only done that once since what was that week four, roughly? Uh, yeah. If we double check, last time he scored, he had eight points last week, and then he scored seventeen point six back in week four. But he's also missed four games during that same stretch too. It's Kenny Galladay's about as up and down as it gets. If you're in a twenty team league, then I mean, you've got to hold on to everyone, but. My God, there's little upside with him if that was the risk. Um, right now, until the Giants either get healthier or figure out what's going on with Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay is very hard to trust, even in a 12-team league, let alone a 21 with that kind of penalty. Yes, good. Okay, great. I would love to play in that kind of league, by the way, and anyone who wants to join oh, me on that, please set it up. That hurt my brain just thinking about it, let alone dealing with that for 17 weeks. I'm having a hard enough time just doing normal fantasy and acting like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> We like to mix it up here on the, in the mood. Uh, Cats, Eagles, Boston Scott outtouched Miles Sanders, fumbled, but also scored. I know what you're going to say, but I don't know entirely what you're going to say. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, who do you prefer going forward? You just keep throwing the Miles Sanders questions at me because you know how I feel about him. I need I to try and be reaction. nice to him. That's the that's what I'm going for here. This is to nominate you for a podcast. This is the kind of engagement we need. He's like that gonna... gif of that guy standing there poking the thing with a stick, just trying to get a reaction. Like that's what he's doing. He's just sitting there poking you with a stick, just trying to trying to get a reaction. Well, it, it's working. Um, on Saturday, I talked about how the volume would be there for Sanders, but his lack of passing game and goal line work makes him more of a floor play. I thought eight to ten points was a safe estimate, but he couldn't even get there. I really want to rag on him more, but I mean, he has been efficient on the ground. Nine carries, sixty-four yards is great. He just provides nothing outside of empty rushing yards. And I know that we thought he'd be a more dynamic player and would be capable of more. I think he is capable of more, despite my opinions on him as a player. But, I mean, Scott out carried him 15-9, to despite Sanders' efficient running. I'm not sure how much that has to do with Sanders' ankle injury. We don't have much information on that at the moment. Um, but I've been fading Sanders for a while now. It's been a minority position. I'm fine with that. Uh, so far, it's worked out for me. At this point, I don't know if it's safe to start Sanders over Boston Scott. I mean, Scott just outproduced him this past week. If they're both active this week and Sanders is fully healthy, it's it's just so tough because I know Sanders is still the starter. But uh, Scott has looked just fine, if not arguably better, in terms of fantasy production. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough situation. We need to know more about Sanders' injury, which we'll have for you later in the week. Fantastic. Thanks, Cats and Cats. Uh, Jaguars. Uh, I, I've been on the LaVisca Chenault train uh, for a long time, and I keep saying, everyone everyone, stick with me here. It's going to happen. And, you know, DJ Chark goes down. It's going to happen. And then Jamal Agnew goes down. It's going to happen. Dan Arnold gets hurt. He's out four to six weeks. It's going to happen. Can you tell me? Am I should I am I an idiot when it comes to Lavisca Chenault? Is this not going to happen this year? I refuse to call you an idiot. All I will say is that when we discussed this on Saturday, I mentioned uh, something about how a wide receiver being outsnapped by Laquan Treadwell is not exactly an ideal uh, situation here. Um, it happened again, so yeah. I'm not exactly optimistic on Lavisca Chenault. This is a low-scoring offense with a struggling rookie quarterback. Obviously, I'm not closing the door on Trevor Lawrence being good. I think he'll be just fine. But right now, he, he's not ready to take anybody to fantasy heights or, or any sort of production with him. It's just not happening in 2021. He'll be better next year for sure. But right now, uh, I think James Robinson is the only Jaguar startable on a weekly basis. Very good. And uh, I think he caught a touchdown pass on Sunday, Laquan Treadwell did, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or he caught a big pass. I forgot what it was. But I thought of you when he caught it. Uh, cats because i that's um something we bond over tommy uh i i wasn't sure if you wanted a rebuttal there it looked like you were going to talk into the microphone um but uh uh let's uh shift to kyle pitts for atlanta this is another tight end i, I love giving you tight end questions because i know this is what makes your heart race tommy is is kyle pitts someone you can really trust in fantasy or is he no longer someone you can trust the downside of Kyle Pitts is he's attached to the Atlanta Falcons offense, but at the good side, he's attached to the Atlanta Falcons offense because he is the only person they have. Like coming into this week, like since his breakout in week five, he's been the tight end five in fantasy football and he's been number eight in scoring. Um, over the stretch, he has a third highest target target share amount of any tight end in the NFL at 22.5%. And he was number two in air yards and number one in average depth of target at the tight end position. So it's, you know, he's getting the volume. And last week he ran over, he was number three on the team, just one behind uh, Taji Sharp and Russell Gage in terms of snaps. He ran 40, he ran uh, 47 snaps, ran uh, 28 different routes. Like he gets six targets, but he kind of has a down game. So it's, there's always going to be some of this instability on a team that's not getting in the red zone and not scoring a lot. But we know he's arguably right now, he's their number one option in terms of the passing game outside of whatever they want to do with Cordell Patterson, who seems apparently he can do absolutely no wrong on the football field. Uh, so it's when you're dealing with any of these guys that are kind of like they're a little bit touchdown dependent to be reach that high ceiling. At least he's going to see some of the volume. It's it's hard to sit him right now when you know the upside that he can bring this week. He gets Tampa Bay. Of their teams, of the guys that they've allowed double-digit uh, fancy points to, Kyle Pitts is one of those guys and did that back in week two. So you kind of like the matchup for a team that's probably going to be playing from behind. Moving forward, we'll have to see what happens uh, with the rest of this team. But it's it's hard to find guys that are going to have more upside than Kyle Pitts, but you also know this is the floor if he doesn't find the end zone. Yeah, and, and last week we also talked about Matt Ryan. I remember asking you, is he going to be a top-20 quarterback? And you really had to think about it, and he was the 21st yeah. best quarterback. Uh, this week so it, it really is this is an, this it is shocking to me that the Falcons I think if the season ended right now they'd be in the playoffs and that's why Cordero Patterson if it weren't for Jonathan Taylor Patterson would be my choice for MVP I mean I, I don't I don't see how this team could have more than one win without in terms of guys who are like the the literal definition of most valuable player if you say the most valuable player to their team 
Yeah, absolutely. Cordero Patterson fits right in there. It's like it was Derrick Henry to the Titans, Jonathan Taylor to the Indianapolis Colts, and what Cordero Patterson brings to the Atlanta Falcons. Like, if you remove them from their team, you watch how quickly these teams can fall apart. Yeah. And you seem like a purist when it comes to MVP. I know you're not one of those who just picks the best team and the best player. It's always about... The MVP should stop being... It's Just stop being at the, okay, it's a quarterback award. It's not. Give it right. to the most valuable player, not the best quarterback. They already have an award for that. The problem is the most valuable player is always going to be a quarterback. So it's it's a stupid it's a stupid award. They should change it. They should they should they should have a separate award for non quarterbacks because otherwise it's just a quarterback every year. Give give other position players a chance to win it. That is a great segue to non quarterbacks. Tommy sticking with you, David Johnson. Do we take him seriously with the Texans? This might be the last time we talk about David Johnson on this podcast, but I thought it was important to bring him up because Houston is a team. Uh, in rapid decline in the past two years. Mm-hmm. And it's between David Johnson and Rex Burkhead, uh, which uh, I don't know what to make of that contest. Uh, but I do know that some fantasy managers need eight plus fantasy points out of their running back. So is David Johnson a good desperation play? If I could stay away from this back foot, I'd love to. Because I mean, David Johnson hasn't looked the same since he left. I mean, good God, it was um, Arizona at the time. I mean, he hasn't looked good since then, since they made the trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, right now, he's getting outplayed by Rex Burkhead. I mean, even last week, Burkhead outsnapped him 35 to 22 and also ran more routes in him at 18 to 8. So you're losing the upside of David Johnson. He just doesn't look explosive when he's out there. Um, even with Tyrod Taylor, it's a team that's going to, going to struggle to establish the run because it's not a team that you really fear the air game with. So teams are always going to play down a little more on this team. So it's going to take away some of the upside from these guys. And when you're dealing with a player who's already lacking targets, which we know is a more valuable touch in terms of opportunities, it's hard for me to get excited about David Johnson. It's He had a decent year last season, without a question. Like I think he did better than most of us were expecting. But that's not happening this year. And for right now, I'm kind of staying hands off if I can. Very good. Cats, Jets, Austin Walter outperformed Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson, which always seems to happen. We have these discussions like we did a few uh, weeks ago with Dante Foreman and uh, and Adrian Peterson. And uh, we left Dontrell Hilliard out of that uh, uh, column. In this case, uh, I had to look up who Austin Walter was uh, to make sure. I think we were all looking him up, honestly. Yeah, I had no clue either. I said, oh, I think good. we were all looking up Austin Walter. I don't think any of us knew who that guy was. Well, that's, was uh, that always of... makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, so how should managers react to this? Because we got uh, Michael Carter out, you know, for at least two more weeks. Uh, is Austin Walter a waiver ad or is this just chasing points and it's going to be a three-headed monster in a backfield no one wants to touch? Uh, I- I'm ignoring Austin Walter. Fantasy managers tend to overreact a bit to touchdowns. I would say the fact that we're even talking about Austin Walter is evidence of that fact. He played just 24% of the snaps. He had 38 yards on nine carries. He didn't actually outperform Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson. He just happened to be the guy to find the end zone. Unless we suddenly see his snap share shoot up this week, I would leave him on waivers. Very good. Sticking with you, Cats, Broncos, Javante Williams. Uh, and, and I had an offer to trade for him on Saturday. It wouldn't have been a great trade for me, but I, I, I thought I needed it. But I didn't take it. I just thought Javante Williams, he's getting what? Eight to 12 points a game. I just, I can't win with eight to 12 points a game. I need something better. And he gave us something better. So now the question is, are we shifting into Javante Williams mode in the Denver backfield where it's still a split backfield, but Williams is the guy to roster or to start over Gordon? I'm glad that that you don't want eight to 12 points a week. I'll take that gladly on some of my teams with my running back situation. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't think that we are 
making any sort of hard switch to Javante Williams as much as I think the Broncos should. This was the first time all season that Javante seriously outsnapped Gordon. But Gordon also missed a handful of plays early in the game with a hip issue. Again, I think Javante is the more talented player. He looks great whenever he touches the ball. He's a big play machine, as we saw on his really impressive 42-yard uh, screen uh, screen reception. I mean, the way he turned the corner and accelerated, I didn't think he had that in him. Uh, but that was it was very impressive. He's an RB1 waiting to happen, but Gordon is not going away. This is going to remain a timeshare with a slight edge to Gordon. The more productive back each week is probably going to be the guy that finds the end zone. I still value Gordon as more of a low-end RB2, and Javante is a high RB3. When Javante runs, it just reminds me so much of how much Sean, uh, uh, Steven Jackson used to run. Like, just angry. Yeah. That's a great comparison. I like that a lot. He just runs angry. I love watching guys do that. Very good. Uh, uh, Segwaying out of angry running and into um, casual quarterbacking. Uh, Tommy, the Chargers, not to say, uh, I I didn't know what adjective to use, so I used casual. But uh, Justin Herbert. Um, he uh, scored between 15 and 30 fantasy points for only the second time all season. That sad uh, just Sunday. blew me away. I, I literally had to double check that because I was like, there's no way this is accurate. Yeah, it's one of those weird stats that just makes you go, when did that happen? But he is. He's been this boom bust uh, uh, guy who people, I mean, similar to Lamar Jackson, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. those two, they tied last year in points per game. They, they had the exact same number of points. And same points per game. And this year, they're very similar. Um, and they're both kind of boom-bust fantasy producers. It's odd. And that's kind of a, a non-sequitur. But the point is, if you were to, if, if the trade deadline's coming up, should someone be selling Justin Herbert or should someone be buying Justin Herbert? Where do you see his value in the closing weeks? I think if I'm trying to sell Justin Herbert, I'm probably getting too cute unless I'm getting someone that's an incredible talent. Like, He's that good, and he's in an offense that's built around him. You've got Mike Williams. You've got Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler in the backfield as your safety valve. Like, we know how good he can be, and it's one of those where you kind of almost have to ride out some of these down weeks for that upside that it brings where he can score, exactly like you just said, you know, 30-plus points. We've seen him reach 40-plus points where he literally can single-handedly help win you a week. There's very few quarterbacks that bring the upside that he has and very few that are in an offense that is built the one, uh, built around him, the one with this one he has right now with Lombardi at the helm. So it's I like Justin Herbert. If you can try to trade for him, go for it. But at the same time, it's probably going to cost you quite a bit because people are going to view him as a, you know, top six, top seven quarterback, which is still going to carry a decent amount of value in fantasy. Very good. And what about the Packers now, Tommy? Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. We saw Jones coming back from an injury before the bye. You know mm-hmm. my views on Dillon. We've talked yeah. about it on the side. Uh, are my views any close to being realized in terms of Dillon being uh, in a true timeshare and being just as good as, as Aaron Jones, if not better? Or am I you know, just completely talking out of the back of my head? And in fact, this is still Aaron Jones' backfield after the bye. I think it's still Aaron Jones' backfield. The part that surprised me was, A, that the Packers played him, but not just that they brought him in in a supplementary role, but how much he played. Like, he actually outsnapped A.J. Dillon 43 to 20, uh, 43 to 39, and also saw more routes uh, at 24 to 19. Granted, A.J. Dillon dad didn't have more carries at 17 to 10, but it's he wasn't just on the sidelines, you know, just for the, oh, hey, we're not going to give a competitive advantage to our opponents. Like, he was actually out there on the field, and it's, for as talented as A.J. Dillon is, which I think we all can agree he is very talented. We saw that when he was at Boston College, just the style of running that he is. That, that he is. 
falls forward, fights the extra yards, break tackles very well. It's Aaron Jones. They gave him that contract. They know what he can do in this and all for this team, not just as a as a um, a trusted pass blocker for um, Aaron for uh, Aaron Rodgers, but what he can do out of the backfield as a receiver. He's one of the most efficient guys in making something out of nothing. Which right now with this uh, Green Bay Packers offensive line that has been decimated a little bit by injuries this year, that's a very important stat to have and a very important key. Um, element to have in this backfield so i think aaron jones will continue to be the rb1 for this team although i would not push away aj Dillon quite yet he's still going to be somewhere in that you know eight to ten touches per game which will probably give you you know rb3 kind of range very good and two rapid fire questions for you cat starting with the rams i was completely wrong in week 12 with odell beckham and van jefferson i thought the packers would contain them maybe cup and daryl henderson would get going but I just didn't see Beckham and Jefferson having good games. Are they weekly starters officially, or do you have any reservations? Uh, I think the answer to that is both. I think that they are weekly starters, but there are reservations. Both of them had a long touchdown this past week. Jefferson, 79-yarder, Beckham, 54-yarder. Those certainly count. I don't want to be that guy who says, oh, if you remove all their good plays, then, oh, they're not good. But But projecting forward, we need to assess the full picture. Without the touchdowns, Jefferson, Four catches, 14 yards. Beckham, four catches, 27 yards. Target share is encouraging. Jefferson, 23%. Beckham, 26%. So there are signs on both sides. So to answer your question, yes, there's hesitation, but they're definitely startable based on volume and splash potential. Fantastic. It's a a great nuanced answer. And the other uh, quick question, Debo Samuel exited for the 49ers with a groin injury. If he sits next week, maybe he's out longer than a week. We'll see. But does this make Brandon Ayuk... Uh, this, you know, untouchable starter and even someone like Trent Sherfield or someone like that uh, coming in as a number two receiver and maybe doing a little bit of damage. Uh, at this point, um, I think we're pretty confident that Debo's going to miss uh, multiple weeks. They didn't say it was any sort of long-term issue, uh, but he's he's probably not playing this week. Brandon Ayuk, he has to be a must-start at this point. 26% target share last week, 31% the week before. He's been playing 90% of the snaps for over a month now. Without Debo in the lineup, Ayuk is the clear wide receiver one. He is out of whatever doghouse he was in to start the season. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely starting Ayuk. I don't know if I trust anyone else on this offense. Juwan Jennings had a nice touchdown catch last week, and he, uh, I think he almost had a second one. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, no one's starting Juwan Jennings right now. He's not playing enough snaps, and it's really just, uh, just Ayuk at this point. Very good. And it will be interesting to see who is starting with him. There's there's always those starters who come in and they're starters in name, but not in activity. And then there are starters who come in and they're ready to jump in. Um, and it's important for fantasy managers to try to identify the difference. And we'll try to do that as we get into uh, our podcast later this week. Uh, Tommy Vikings, uh, Dalvin Cook, um, uh, uh, labrum tear, uh, really just a bad situation with the shoulder. Yeah. Alexander Madison, we know what he can do. Um, is there any more to say about this? And really, you've got fourth round rookie, uh, Kane Nwangwu, and, and basically asking, is he this kind of sneaky ad, or is Madison, do you think, going to just handle the volume on his own? There doesn't need to be any uh, uh, elevation from this rookie who has been a special teamer up till now. Yeah, it was. It's interesting. the The whole time, what I, what was actually interesting during the game was Debo Samuel got injured on the play directly after Dalvin Cook got injured and had this fumble. It's things you hate to see, and it really made me think back to the Baltimore Ravens when they lost, you know, uh, Peters and uh, J.K. Dobbins on back to back plays in their practice. Uh, but going back to Kenny Nwangu, like 
he was a really sneaky addition coming out of Iowa State. Like, if it wasn't for playing with Brees Hall, Kenei Nwangu would have been a name we all kind of know. We talked about him earlier today with me and John Helpcamp on our Twitter spaces. Um, like, I actually really like him. It, the the Vikings didn't go out and spend a fourth-round draft pick just to have a guy be a kickoff returner who we've seen how special he can be. He already has two returns already on the season. Six foot, 210. He ran like a low 4-3 at his uh, Iowa State Pro Day. Has He's a metric beast. Uh, he's one of those guys who can absolutely be a combine warrior, and he could see some extra reps. We know Dalvin Cook is going to miss some decent amount of time. More than likely, Alexander Madison is going to be the guy who's going to see the majority of the touch in this backfield. He's the safe option, and they know what they have in him. But I wouldn't be surprised if Nwangu starts kind of gets some of those RB2 kind of reps behind him. He's a guy I would do a – if you have the space on your roster – I'd make a I'd make a little stash play on him, see if something happens with him. Because if anything happens to Alexander Madison, he's instantly now going to be the RB one. Uh, so he's going to be an upside play, not someone you're starting, but someone to keep an eye on. So if you have the roster spot, Kenny Wongu is a decent stash. Fantastic! I love that background, Tommy. I've got uh, one more question for each of you. It has to do with uh, Sunday night football game, uh, Ravens. Uh, if you're a lock for the fantasy playoffs right now, mm-hmm. Tommy, do you feel like if you have Devontae Freeman, are you comfortable starting him in the fantasy playoffs or do you need to upgrade quickly? If we look at the playoffs, so let's assume the playoffs are going to start in like a week 15. You've got Green Bay, Cincinnati, and the Rams. Don't love it. Don't hate that matchup. But ideally, if I already know I'm in the playoffs, I'm not concerned about that point as my depth on my team. I would love to try to make a move to get a better RB2, and I can relegate him maybe down to like your RB3 kind of role, maybe a flex play. Um, I want as much upside as possible, and I don't know how much there is when he's still going to be working in tandem with Latavius Murray. Granted, he has scored at least double-digit points in three of his last five weeks. That's nice, but you also see the games like last week where only puts up seven points. Um, So he's going to be locked into those touches. I don't think he brings the upside you would love to have. But depending on how good your team is, like if you're already locked in the playoffs, you have an upper seed, don't throw away your roster trying to upgrade a single position. But if you mm. can manage and move off some of that depth and try to get as good of Very good, Tommy. And Cats, Browns, uh, before getting hurt, Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt were dominating. Uh, and they also back then had a healthy quarterback. Um, a lot has changed since then. And Cleveland's Week 16 and Week 17 games will be in Green Bay and in Pittsburgh. So my very blunt question is, should fantasy managers be concerned that uh, defenses that can lock down on the running game, if they can, I mean, the Browns just lost uh, uh, Jake Conklin, one of their offensive linemen. Um, We don't know yet if there's going to be some kind of dramatic impact on this offensive line as a result, but he was, I think, graded atop maybe the 10th best. Um, The question is, should managers be concerned about starting Chubb and Hunt as RB1s in the fantasy playoffs? Or now are we looking at, I hope they get 14 points instead of I hope they get 22? I think when it comes to Nick Chubb, the answer doesn't really matter because it doesn't because you're starting him. There's nothing that's going to keep Nick Chubb out of your lineup. So regardless of a tough matchup, a bad offensive line, a struggling Baker Mayfield, Chubb's going in your lineup, and if he doesn't get you what you need, then uh, you're just going to have to overcome it or, or, or you lose. I mean, this is what fantasy football is. As for Kareem Hunt, I would not say Kareem Hunt is an absolute must-start. If if you, we see over the next couple weeks, I mean, they aren't by this week, so it's kind of a – you would lose one sample there. But I know he was out of the game in the fourth quarter of Sunday, Sunday night because he was dealing with um, some soreness in his leg. That's 
not what you want to hear from a guy who was just on IR for the past month or so. But the bye week should help. And if he comes back and we see him back into his usual role, you'll feel good about starting him in the playoffs. If not, then you reassess after week 14 and see what your roster looks like. I think we could see a case where Dernis Johnson is a fantasy hero in week 17 or week 18 for those playing. I mean, this could be a case if if this team really shuts it down, if they can't get right the ship quickly and this season's over. I wonder with Chubb, you know, uh, coming back from his injury and Kareem Hunt, you know, like you said, getting hurt again and we'll see what happens after the bye. You know, stranger things have happened than to see a guy like Dernis Johnson just take over um, late. And we, I know we've talked about that in the past. Players play out the season, but sometimes they don't. And fantasy managers need to be prepared. Um, Katz and Tommy, Tommy and Katz, a pleasure as always. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you all for listening and for watching. Again, this is BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. Find us on profootballnetwork.com. Tweet at us. Sign up for the newsletter. Listen to Tommy's and John's Twitter spaces. Uh, uh, tr try to find out uh, Katz's personal email and email him. Uh, do whatever it takes uh, to contact us, and we will get back to you and uh, help you any way we can with any thoughts that we have about how to make your team better. In the meantime,